If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 95. Suns fan here with the one, the only Cinderman. How are you on this day? Uh, how am I on this day? Yes, you heard you, me. You had nothing good to say or bad about the day. This is just a, actually that's kind of it's kind of representative of how it's been for the last five months, right? It's just another day. It's true. They all melt together. On this day, I'm all right, uh, Shannon. Good. I'm good to I'm, hear. I'm fine. You gonna ask me how I am? How are you? I am legitimately depressed, and we're gonna talk about this as the last topic. Uh, it's about Artifact. For those that haven't heard, I will be talking a lot about it. And I would actually appreciate, I know a lot of people that watch the podcast just skip through the Artifact sections back when we used to talk about it. Would really appreciate it if you didn't do that this time. Um, yeah. But with that in mind, uh, we'll do that last, like I said. We'll just pretend this is a normal week and I'm not depressed. And let's say hello and thank oh, you to our up? amazing Shannon, In Bruges how's it going? patrons. Thank Yo. you, Cinderin. Thank Yo. you for... You having a good day, Shen? No, you're not supposed to ask a depressed person if they're having a good day, okay? Oh. You're supposed to well, say, you I support you. We're, we're going to pretend that you weren't, so kind of... I'm very happy, Cinderin. Thank you good. for joining me today. It's okay. Wonderful. Thank you to Terra Arcanum Dragonite, available now on Amazon.com. Hope you don't mind me advertising on here, but $30 a month for four. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate that advertisement <laughs> telcantar underscore prime suns fans personality and mariah carey's body still pretty thick my co-host and i feel very deep blue which i think you meant to say deeply that the past tense of blink is blunk i love blunk i love saying that once in a while. yeah i do too actually it's good Cinderin stretching so far backwards that his spine snaps he without fear or pain twitches until expiration with a smile that's me that is very grim. Uh, Chakar, Boyko, Ustavko, Mutro, the Megapope. What is the best place to have the international? TI in New Zealand. Zan Xavier, Suns fan Pudge, Omega Lull, Nate, Thick Nate Thicko, Zero One, Ham Scrotes, Bacon, no, not that bacon, the other bacon. Using my flaccid penis as a drumstick and reenacting the final scene from Nick Cannon's drumline. And Lick. Thank you for those amazing names. Actually, back to back. Great job. Guys. Yeah. Very good. All right. Last half of our in Bruce tier subs or subs patrons. Sorry. Well, we, we do lose track sometimes of where we are. Uh, Shark TM, Freshly Seasoned Goat Balls, the Ben Jackson and Ben Broomhead Alliance. That alliance has been strong for a while now. Novi Panda, Dop, Eating Chosnik Makes You Happy and Healthy, Underscore Man, Spreading COVID-19 at an alarming rate by attending the weekly Ben Alliance meetings. 
I think that Alliance has like two people and they live really far from each other. So I think you're okay. Pitch Black, Wooden Aftertaste, Duntalk, Dyslexic Lawyer, Anonymous. Peter, did you know horses have bigger eyes than any other mammal that lives on land, Knebling? I did not know that. And Ronnie Keel. Is that true? How big eyes do horses have? What What about a hippo? Does a hippo not, is that not considered living on land? Maybe it has smaller eyes than a horse. Hippos have, like, they're probably like five times as big. I feel like hippos' eyes are huge. Elephants don't have big eyes. I know that one. Elephants are enormous. Their eyes are not that big. The equine eye is one of the largest of any land mammal. It doesn't say it's the largest. Hmm. Interesting. Considering its size, that's a, that's a good fact. Thank you, Peter. Okay, let's get started with some NBA talk. You know how much I love to talk about the NBA center and the All-Star game mm. happened. They did it all in one day. Uh, Devin Booker, after all that drama, ended up getting injured the last game before the All-Star break. So they had a replacement replace him. The replacement of a replacement, some would say. His name was Mike Conley. And Wait, wasn't a... it Devin Booker you were hoping would play? Yes, he got injured. So they replaced him. How which... do you get injured when you're not playing? Wait, when did he get injured? He got injured the last game of the last Suns game before the All-Star break occurred. Oh, so there was a game between our last episode and the All-Star match. Yes, that is correct. Okay, yeah. So Mike Conley has been known as the best player of all time. This is not a week, I'm sorry. Not to make the All-Star game. So at least we have uh, some positive things to talk about with that. But the All-Star game itself was complete garbage, Sindarin. Uh, Mm -hmm. Three-point contest was pretty good. The dunk contest was one of the worst of all time. They be, ugh, just awful, awful dunks. Nobody, like a bunch of nobodies and nobody's ever heard of. And then the All Star game was a complete blowout. So the entire Who weekend played was in kind the of halftime disaster. show. I didn't watch the halftime show, so I wouldn't know. I stopped. Oh, there watching. is one. Okay, maybe everything was like on video, so I don't think anything was live. Okay. But yeah, that was the All Star game. Pretty garbo. So you didn't miss miss much. Okay. Let's get well, started. We're used the actual... to bad all-star games from TI, so it's fine. We've we've trained uh, for this for years. That's true. Yeah, TI all-star games. Uh, there were a couple good we've... ones. Yeah, exactly. TI actually did have a few good ones and a few very lackluster ones. I mean, it's very one... hit or miss. We've talked about this before, but as long as they introduce a new hero and then they play it for the first time, it doesn't matter how the game goes. It's exciting. Like the Techies game was actually. If you look at it from like just a game st- like game quality standpoint, it was one of the worst of all time. It was super bad. It was really bad. But it was fun to cast. And the fact that Artizi played it and he had no idea what the hero even did made it even more hilarious. But, yeah. And then there was the 10v10 with fans with Underlord, right? Yeah. Was that the hero? I think so, yeah. Yeah. That was also good. I, I actually think that was the best format they've done so far in the All-Star game. It's the one with five pros and five fans from the crowd. I think that's a really good way of making it different yeah i think they want to try new, a huge, new stuff huge experience for the fans but also just like the the type of game that you get it's really funny because the the fans that nobody knows about have a chance of making some cool play and then it's a really cool story if they do something wonky what was it his name was 420 booty wizard was that the name that played in that remember. show match couldn't tell you i think i think it was all right anyway Okay, first news of the week, the PGL Major announced a bunch of stuff, uh, for the Singapore Major, that is. Uh, I'll just read the blurb at the very top of the article. The first Dota 2 Major since January 2020 will be played without fans in attendance. 
Top hosts, analysts, and casters will make up the majors talent list. The last four teams, which are from China, to qualify will be revealed in mid-March. So congratulations to Shiver, Sumichu, OD Pixel, Fogged, B-Cop, Lacoste, Lizard, Black Gods, Tsunami, and then observing is Wepis and Scriff. Um, we've already talked about the teams that have been attending for quite a while, so they've officially announced all that stuff. Uh, now, I do have an interesting thing to bring up. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I even... What's the right way to put this? Because there's two different things I want to talk about today that I have sources telling me things. Does that sound like a, a slasher thing? This wasn't Ooh, on yes purpose. yes, it does. Yeah. So I don't know if this is even drama, but for the PGL major... Multiple sources have confirmed the following. Uh, most teams from North America, South America, SEA, and CIS hope that the major will be canceled. But EU, basically, they're the ones that were given kind of the, the terms of what the major would be like, and they gave the okay, essentially, and that's why everybody else is just falling in line after the fact. So the sources I've talked to say that the teams that they've talked to are hoping that the major gets canceled, but they don't think it's going to be. Because? Uh, in, in addition, well, like, because why, of the following. Why do they hope it get canceled? So there's a 48-hour quarantine upon arrival, which yeah. the typical is two weeks, right? So that's mm-hmm. kind of a red flag already. Like, I, 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 it's hard to tell, like, what separates the decisions from PGL slash Valve and then, like, Singapore, right? I think right. Singapore, from, like, a COVID standpoint, is doing really well, right? So... It could be shielding them, uh, like a lot of the rules that they have, they make sense because they're shielding themselves from the players. Like the players aren't allowed to leave the hotel or anything like that. So that's understandable, right? But two days right. of quarantine, which you can't really test for that. That's too short of a time frame where you could be, you could already have it as you go or you could catch it on the way there, like in the airports or something like that. Uh, in addition, teams are arriving staggered based on their seating. So some teams get there a lot earlier, some teams not so much. And then the reason that's important is because there's no PCs to practice on in the team rooms. And each team has a lot of times in the practice rooms, which I haven't been able to confirm how many computers that actually is. But combined with what I just talked about, uh, it being staggered times means that some teams just have no time to practice before their actual matches, like maybe half a day or something like that. So a lot of teams are like really upset about the conditions, Uh, essentially. That's just... Uh, It's weird considering how how to say how normalized we have got major tournaments in terms of that right like when it comes to setups when it comes to practice rooms i want to say like the last four or five major tournaments majors ti etc had like some sort of quality standard when it comes to practice rooms uh even oh yeah never mind not that one but yeah just the last all the last major lands had teams with practice rooms. So what's the deal? Is it because they can't get enough rooms for the teams? Or is it because of COVID restrictions? If it's COVID restrictions, no, fair enough. Like if it's health regulated stuff so from the I government, guess the, then they can't do it. The question is how much of it is COVID related, like from the government standpoint, and how mm-hmm. much of it is cutting costs? I don't think there's an answer to that question because a lot of it blends together and there's not a lot of whole, there's not a lot of like straight answers concerning it. Um, but the two-day thing is pretty concerning. Like, that's something that I would think that Valve, if they're aware of, maybe... I mean, do you find that a bit weird? Two days quarantine? Because 
I don't really have an opinion on it because I just don't know the health regulations or anything. And I know that's a really boring answer, but I, I don't know what the guidelines are because I know that they were those two weeks like you talked about when you traveled into a country, you would need two weeks. But maybe it has been changed based on local regulations, based on which countries people come from. And that's the biggest question for me, really. Have they managed to, uh, to organize it in a way such that all the players coming from all these like 20 different countries or whatever, 30, get the same deal in terms of that? Because usually, like, if you're a regular traveler going from Denmark to somewhere versus Russia to somewhere versus Spain to somewhere, the requirements are different right now, right? Based on the status of COVID in your home country. Right. But I, I think, look at it so like this. how can they just all bunch that up into two days I, of quarantine? That's very surprising. I me. have a hard time believing that this is a Singaporean thing. Because if you think about it, once they fly in, they go straight to their hotel. Mm-hmm. Why does Singapore care how long they quarantine for? If they're not leaving the hotel anyway, does that matter? They might to them have to do it for safety in case people leave. Fair enough. And then right. another thing that I was told by, again, multiple sources, I feel so, so cringy saying that, but. Um, yeah, fucking cringy slasher. Oh, slasher. Just can't do it. I can't do I that job, that man. Guy. It's, it's too difficult. That's why we didn't have him as a guest. <laughs> he never gave you a Valorant key, Cinder. How do you feel? Yeah, about he did. That? He said he was going to give me. <laughs> And then, and then I finally got Valorant when it opened. I started and he just, it, so he knew he knew all along. Yeah, he knew all along. He knew it was a waste uh, of time. God, what was I saying? Um, God, you made me lose my train of thought as always, Cinderin. Mm-hmm. Remind me what I was saying. You were saying something about quarantine. Hmm. God, everything just flew out of my head. Quarantine in Singapore. You heard from multiple sources. Oh, right. And then once a team is eliminated, they just go home immediately. So there might be a team that goes for like two days is what I'm trying. I don't know the exact amount, but it's like a super short amount of time. If they get eliminated right away, you fly all the way over there, you quarantine for two days, you play, then you're just out immediately. Mm-hmm. You don't get to stay. There's nothing like that, which is also a bit That's weird. a really big shame. So it just, like, again, it's hard to fully understand what the actual limitations are versus like the COVID restrictions and how much is it is financial or anything in between. No idea. But right. I just know that the teams are not happy, or a lot of them are, aren't at least. But apparently EU gave the thumbs up, Cinder. I don't know what that's all about. Because I guess they know that they're... expecting to go far. Yeah, so. they're all expecting to win. So, <laughs> understandable. Okay, moving on. Uh, so, T1 made some changes after getting third place in the SEA DPC. They got the wildcard spot. They have removed Jackie and replaced him with 23 Savage. So there's been, I don't know if you want to call it drama, but the fact that they're doing this after they've qualified-ish, yeah. the wild card, bit of a shame. But obviously 23 Savage is 18 years old, one of the first to get 12K MMR. Like, he's a beast. Isn't he the first? Possibly. What are your thoughts Does on a team to... making a change like this so late? <sighs> You know what? I, I really dislike it because I feel like, you know, the player that has made the major has earned it. Uh, he was a part of the roster that did it. And I know that this is a change that has been transparent. It can't be t- surprising to anyone that this happens because it's within the rules of the system. You can replace players, but you get less DPC points. So like the protection that the individual player has is that the team needs to think that the roster change is high enough value that they will take a loss in DPC points. 
but with how the DPC system works now, there's two majors, right? <clears throat> so if you in any way think that replacing a player will get you a placement that's like one or two rounds higher, that compensates for the loss of points. Um, yeah. But I mean, mostly when I hear about this stuff, I just feel sorry for the guy, right? I'm I'm imagining like be, being a player in that guy's stead just it would just suck, right? You put in a lot of hard hard work and effort to get there, uh, and then you don't get to go and play. Um, you obviously get your share of the prize money from qualifying and from that section. I don't know what they've organized after that, whatever. Like those specifics are different every time, but yeah, it's got to suck. Plus, it's um, it's a it's a major in the same region that your team resides, right? Which most of the players yeah. are Filipino or Indonesian, so kind of a shame. Actually, it's almost like home territory to a degree. The flag for Jackie is Laos. I don't know. Do you pronounce it like that in English? Laos. Yeah. Laos. 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 I, I say Laos. Yeah. I Laos don't... is what you have in your hair. Wait, what? Laos. Hair? Yeah, it's one lice in singular is a louse. When do you have right. a singular lice? One just spawns on your head? You can't have a singular lice. You can have singular louse. <laughs> I can't tell if you're fucking with me. How can you have one lice? If you get what, rid what? of all of them and there's one left, then you have one. How do you how could you possibly know this? Just call it lice like a normal person. Do you have a lot of experience with lice as a kid or something? No, I'm just lousy. Good one. All right. Well, with that, we can transition to the next topic, uh, which is <laughs> Sad Boys. Perfect timing. Um, they've made some changes as well. Of course, Sad Boys did not qualify for the DPC, so it wasn't too big of a surprise that some changes were made. But DNM, which was their, their mid, uh, he was yep. kind of like this up-and-comer. Uh, he did pretty well in the DPC, but obviously the Sad Boys did not. He's been replaced, and PPD is also out. And they've both been replaced with Rioya, who is part of Black and Yellow. He's a very common mid laner in the NA scene. And my personal favorite position four of all time, trying to think if that's actually true. I think it is. Yapsor is up there as well, but Z Freak, which I, this guy is so good. He needs to be on a tier one team. I hope this team exceeds expectations, but they've renamed themselves now that PPD is out, no longer Sad Boys. They are now Penta Ace. Which the A is shared, actually. So if you read it normally, it's Pentace. But Penta, isn't that the same as a Rampage in League? And then Ace is from Counter-Strike? Is that accurate? Penta just means five in Greek. Yeah, right? but but in it's a Pentakill in League, I believe. Yes. And an Ace is in CSGO. Is CS. oh, so they're setting up to branch out into other games. I like it already. That's Confluence. They're building... And Valorant. and Valorant, yeah. Maybe they're going to announce that they'll play another game. And they've just made the roster. Yeah, very um, true. So any thoughts about these changes? Do you expect uh, Z-Freak to back up my words and be a god? I love, I love Z-Freak. I think, um, I, I don't know if he's my favorite four of all time, but I really, I think when he played his best, he was really good and was the standout player in his teams. Um I think he's been a little bit more quiet lately, but I think that's kind of natural. If you're not playing in a top-tier team, it's harder to get that real shine, right? Because Dota is so much about the flow of the game and what your whole team is doing. Um, but we'll see how he performs on this team. I think maybe he's also been a little less motivated, I guess. If if you don't really have the conditions to really look good, it's going to be harder to to pull it off. Uh, 
but yeah, I'm excited. And then I think Rioja has always been this like polarizing player as far as the fan base goes. Like some people think he's really good, and other people think he's always a, like yeah, Jenkins too many mistakes. Ta- or Jenkins talks a lot about Rioja during the mm-hmm. DPC panels, and basically comes down to, in his opinion, not mine. I don't really have one, I guess. If mm-hmm. he gets like one of three heroes, he's a god, and everybody else with everybody other hero, he's not good with essentially. Oh. So. Well, that's very black and white. According to Jenkins, you can all the Rioja fans out there can direct their hate to Jenkins. Uh, but yeah, there is a bit polarizing. I guess I've heard some similar things from other people. Uh, but you know, all it takes is one team where it just ends up working, like chemistry-wise, uh, yep. to just take off. So I will be rooting these boys on for sure. Next topic, which I guess we can keep it brief because I don't have that much. There was this thread made by Lemon Cake 400, who goes by Lemon. They are the admin of the Dota 2 wiki, and they've been doing it for nine years. I think they mostly work on the cosmetics section, uh, but they are retiring, and they're looking for some people to help replace them. So first of all, I want to give a shout out to them plus everybody else that works on it, because Dota 2 wiki is an absolute godsend. It's really good. It's been my... like. I know I have a lot of tabs open, but one of them is always Dota 2 Wiki. It's just up because anytime I'm watching a stream, anytime it's not while I play, I guess, but watching a stream, I you know you can't look at the talents that people are taking. I can't memorize every single talent for heroes that I don't play, especially. So just checking that up constantly, like it's an amazing resource. Um, it sounds like a lot of the mechanic stuff is still going to be updated by the person that's been doing it previously, so that's good. Uh, but if you're interested in helping. Uh, visit the the Reddit thread, which has almost 8,000 upvotes at this time. So shout out to them. Same with Liquipedia. Both resources use them constantly. Very, very helpful. So what I, what I gathered from uh, reading over this quickly was that the primary function of Lemon Cake in the last few years was updating the cosmetics, right? Mm-hmm. So that is where somebody needs to step up. And it sounds like the mechanics is done by Booney and he's going to continue. That guy, or Bunny, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, or Bu3NYY, that guy is a god at mechanics. There's been so many threads where he's like, these are the heroes that this is wrong with and why, and uh, these are the exact things that everything works uh, for whatever reason. So um, if you look, if you're not playing Dota very much, but you're like, hmm, I wonder why, if you have never been to the Dota 2 wiki, it will blow your mind how spells work and how inconsistent they are and how much you can learn that you never knew after playing even for five to 10 years. Right. I think I can, I can go to almost any hero's page on the wiki and learn something that I don't know right now. I'm almost certain. Um, it's just crazy how specific some things are and you don't know. So just to be clear, the cosmetic section also includes any event related stuff. So like Dire Tide, Under Hollow. Uh, yeah. And I guess the international is technically an event. So true, yeah, that's an important one. Okay, uh, I, chat is telling me, and I didn't see this on Liquipedia. I didn't see the announcement, but apparently, for Sad Boys, aka Penta Ace, they're switching roles as well. So Moo will actually play position. I don't, again, I'm trusting one guy in chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moo is position five, Snake King yep. position three. So yep. Moo played position five for Brax's team. They were called yep. for fun, and he was actually mm-hmm. really good. 
And we joke about it because he would literally never practice position five. He'd play his pubs and he'd just play carry. He just didn't practice. Then he went into the game and he was amazing on five. So uh, that's a cool change and interested to see how that works. So, And I think three is Snaking's best role, probably. So He's fluctuated a lot between three, four, and five over yeah. the years. I, I think five is Snaking's weakest and three is his strongest. So I think that's a good sign for that team. I think they get players on good roles. Um the one thing about putting a player like Mu on five is, like you said, he looked good. But when you play against top-level international competition, uh, inexperience could become a problem. Uh, doesn't mean it will, but everyone else has obviously played against really strong competition a lot on their roles that they will be playing, right? Ryoya mid, Z-Freak four, they've played lands, they've played years on these roles and if mu goes to five he has played one tournament in na with a fun stack that had no pressure on it so yeah it's true it's a different world but we'll see i i'm i'm hopeful for him i think he can do a good job all right uh next thing on the list is we're gonna beat a bit of a dead horse here cinder and talk about smurfing oh, my favorite topic in dota 2 yes. they're smurfing i don't i don't know if you've heard about it uh but i made a tweet uh that I don't know why this was obsessed over, but the tweet read, Smurfs in every couple games and no way to report it. I feel very sorry for all the new players we're about to get. Then this was posted on Reddit and it got 8,000 upvotes for some reason. So I guess people do care about it. Um, so I wanted to talk about potential solutions because I, I read through mm -hmm. some of the comments uh, and there were some good suggestions and I would kind of integrate that with some of my ideas as well and see what you think. And maybe you can bounce mm -hmm. off of that a bit as well. Sure. Um, so first and foremost, I think some people don't think new players are going to come via the anime, which I guess there's no real way to know. That's wrong. But I think it's very wrong. Um, I don't know why that's people's opinion, actually. It's kind of weird. There's going to be new people, and there's going to be returning people that haven't played for years, and then they see the next player. Right, which will... Like, oh, I should play Dota again. Right, and the people returning, they might as well be new in a lot of cases, because yeah. getting, getting reintegrated is really difficult. Getting back so, into Dota after three years, you're almost new. <laughs> so again, like I, I just streamed today, Cinderin, and mm -hmm. uh, was it like two out of my four games had Smurfs in them again, and it's enraging. Like it's really enraging when you're going up against somebody that is like literally probably three thousand MMR higher. Like you just you just can't win. And then sometimes they're in different groups. That's the crazy thing. I've had several games now where there's a Smurf. There's two Smurfs in the game. And mm -hmm. both of them are in different party queues, and we get they get matched together. And it's not difficult to know what is a Smurf a lot of the time. Like sometimes there's some gray area. I understand that, mm -hmm. but if they have like a level one Steam account, level three Steam account, it's a fucking Smurf. It's like level forty in game. Most likely mm -hmm. a Smurf if they're playing really well at that level. So yeah. there's ways to kind of bypass the general consensus. But anyway, uh, some ideas that I had, and again, taking some from Reddit here. So I do feel strongly, and we've talked about this in the past, that pro players are forced to smurf for competitive reasons. Where if they want to kind of practice a new hero, because again, think of it this way. If you're a pro player, mm -hmm. losing MMR could be going against you in terms of finding a team or your reputation being hurt because your, M, like your rank yeah. just gets lower and lower. So in order to play new heroes, you have to play on a new account, right? So... And plus, it could be technically a way to kind of hide what you're doing, but I think most people end up finding out what your smurfs are anyway. But anyway, I think some sort of tied account that has a slightly 
lower MMR, like still in the same general range, but something that's tied to their main account. So it's like a side account mm -hmm. almost, like an official thing from Valve. Like what I'm trying to say is Valve needs to implement something for that. Like there's no way to get around it. In addition, something you can do, um, and this was a kind of a suggestion uh, in the Reddit thread, is just the general incentivization. Is that a word? Incentivizing? Mm -hmm. Incentivizing using the main account in general as opposed to a Smurf. So uh, because a lot of pros don't want to wait for these really long queues for high rank, stuff like that. So another idea, which again is kind of rehashed from old times, is like an in-house system within the client itself. Like we've seen some in-house leagues like pop up, go away, pop up, go. What if it was, and we again, you and I have discussed this before. What if it's mm -hmm. integrated in the client itself? Fucking awesome. I would that would be that all the time instead of matchmaking. Exactly. I would literally never touch matchmaking again. But uh, I think just quickly, I think it's important when we talk about this that I don't think the main narrative should be the pros. And this is not to like protect my own ass or whatever or my friends. It's not the point. The point is in the grand scheme of things, in the grand ecosystem, I think, yes, the pros are smurfing, a lot of them, almost all of them, but that can't be the majority of the smurfing issue, right? Like mm. the pro scene is not that big, but when everybody, when you see all of these posts from people saying there's smurfs in my bracket, I'm an archon, there's smurfs here. I'm an ancient, there's smurfs here. I'm a divine, there's smurfs here. That is not pros leveling up new accounts over and over again. Once right. they have a smurf, they'll play on it, right? Or maybe they have two, but they don't have like 15 each. So when so, the problem persists, it's not the pro players making new accounts. It's people making these accounts, leveling them up and then selling them mm -hmm. to people that think they're better than they are. So you have like this spiral where people are like, oh, I can't rise in ranks because of Smurfs who are keeping me down. So I'm going to buy myself to the rank that I perceive myself as being, and then you suck there. So it's like, there's multiple layers to the problem. It's just, it, it's not the Smurfs ruining everything. It's the demand for accounts too. That is really so awesome. the reason I brought, I, again, I'm not done with my list yet, but the reason I brought up pros mm -hmm. is because for a couple things. Number one, Every, like you said, everybody, every pro basically has a Smurf account. And mm -hmm. it's a trickle-down effect, right? Because they're forced to, in a lot of cases, have a Smurf. It makes it okay for other people to have Smurfs as well. It's like people look up, like you can argue this all you want. People look up to pros. Sure. Just plain and simple. Now, in addition to those things that help the pros not Smurf, I think the following should also be implemented. I think you should be able to report Smurfing. I think it's ridiculous that you can't. Again, Steam accounts looking at their KDAs. Like there's so many easy variables you can look at to distinguish whether this guy is out of his element. Like even if you don't want to punish them, you can increase their MMR dramatically, which again, boosting, mm -hmm. that will help boosters, but this is why you do this. Now for boosting, there's no reason Valve shouldn't just have a team, even community members, you can outsource this shit uh, to find these sites because they're advertising and take legal action. You have people like, okay, Riot Games. This is an interesting one. So people mm -hmm. that cheat in Valorant and League of Legends, they've, we've talked about this before. They've literally been sued. Not the people cheating necessarily, but the people making the cheats, right? Mm -hmm. So the quote-unquote companies or whatever the hell you call them that are boosting accounts, they're not difficult to find because they're forced to advertise. If you don't advertise, nobody's going to know that you're available to boost accounts. So they're very easy to find in my opinion. And the so, act of selling accounts is against terms of service. So it's not like right. they need to change the terms of service. Playing a secondary account on your own and making Smurfs is completely within the rules. You're not doing anything 
that Steam disallows. But the moment you start selling it as a service, that's when it's illegal. So right, yeah. Now I will say, like it's a free to play game, so it's impossible to remove smurfing one hundred percent. I understand that, but it's mm-hmm. so rampant right now. Reducing it by like seventy percent, which I don't think is that difficult, because a lot of it is brain dead common sense, uh, like strategies involved to just get to that point. I think it can easily be done. And this last thing I want to read is a, I don't know if he wants me to name him. I'll just call him Spray, my friend. Uh, Also gave this suggestion. For your tweet about boosters, one of the biggest ways you could track down on legit boosters is to disable Dota while Family View Pin is enabled on the Steam account. People getting boosted will turn on the Family View Pin so the booster isn't able to do anything scary to their account, like change passwords, seller items, etc., I was not aware this was a thing, but that's a, also a very easy way to kind of prevent some of this shit from going down. So again, uh, this is after yeah, that, thinking about this for 30 minutes. The, that prevents, I, I mean, I have no idea what the percentages are on stuff, right? I don't know how big an amount of Smurfs are pros. I don't know how big an amount of Smurfs are people uh, making accounts, getting them to X MMR and then selling them. And I don't know how many of the Smurfs are people playing on other people's accounts as a service, right? And those three things are pretty different um, in nature, right? Because right. the one the suggestion Spray had here only affects the ones that are boosting other people's accounts. And I don't know how big of a portion that is. It might be mm-hmm. the most popular one, no clue. Um, like some people are like, oh, I have a 3K account. I want to be 4K. Can you boost me to 4K versus, oh, I, I'm... I'm this and that, and I'm just going to buy another account and play on that. Because a lot of people, you know, want to keep their accounts because they have other games and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's the most popular one. And then that would definitely be very effective. Um, I'm still... I think the important thing to acknowledge here is that basically every solution to this has to come from Valve, right? It doesn't mean they need to do all the work, but they need to take the initiative. So like you said, you can yep. have community members help filter or whatever um I, i've said this on multiple podcast episodes already i really hope that they have machine learning still training against this like they did in mm-hmm. um i think it was they tested something with it in i don't know if it was dota or csgo or whatever like when you if you map out i love talking about this because i think it's super fascinating but if you like map out how dota players as a population play you could based on mouse movements based on clicks, based on actions in the first, like in one game or in 30 minutes. I think as a human that I could look at a game of a player and place them within a 2000 MMR range based on one game. I'm pretty certain I could do that. Um, I could definitely do that in the higher range. In the lower range, it would probably be harder for me to be like, is this player one MMR or 2K? But I could place whether (laughs) a player is four or 6K. Really? You don't think there's much of a difference between one one game? Between the number one and then 2K, you don't know that much. Are you saying 1K and 2K? One to 2K. (laughs) So that's like a 2,000 MMR span, right? Like, the higher the MMR gets, the more confidently I can place a player, I think, within a 2,000 range. And the reason I'm saying is that if I as a human can do that, then a system can also do that. It can learn to find the factors that makes it look like XYZ skill, whatever. Like based on mouse movements, how they buy items, how they look across the the map, how they check other heroes out, all this stuff, like all these giveaways, spell casting, all this shit. 
Um, the only way and, I could see them doing that is if they're already making that AI system for something else. Because why would Valve expend resources to fix this? Really, if you think about it, like um, I think there's a lot of value in somebody because we know that's what they did for CS:GO, right? It's what they did for the Overwatch system of CS:GO. They had machine learning train against people reporting stuff, right? So there's definitely somebody at, at Valve or many people at Valve that have like a passion for machine learning, I think. And the reason I think this is really powerful to do in Dota is that it's like a proof of concept that can be used across all games. It can be like a huge like thing for future titles or whatever. Um, if you get an implementation or, or version of this that works in as complex a game as Dota, you probably dumb it down for every other game you release afterwards, right? Dota has like such a high level of complexity that detecting stuff like that. You can do it here. Like imagine this. Imagine you make a system in Dota that can place a player's rank within 1k MMR after 30 minutes. You would be able to do that in CS:GO, right? Like way easier. It's actually way Agree? easier. Yeah, it's not yeah, even it just has to uh, be way easier. It's not even how well you shoot a gun, it's like your crosshair placement. It's the easiest exactly. thing it's to tell all a new from things. a pro from. Yes. Like it's so easy. And like, I don't know if you've seen these posts on Reddit. Obviously, you can't do that with this. But just to give you an example, if you have a 1MMR player, a 2KMMR player, a 4KMMR, 6KMMR, 8K, 10K, and you just only look at how their eye movement goes. If you had eye tracking on all of those players, you could place them very accurately. Where do you look on the screen? How often do you look at the minimap? Do you think uh, you'd be able to distinguish look between to your cooldowns, all these things? Like 10K is a tell. Ten, you said the higher it goes, the easier it is for you to distinguish. Is that true for like 10 to 11K? Like, can uh, you really tell the difference? Probably probably not, but at the same time as well, when you're up there, does it matter that much, right? For Smurf detection. Like for the Smurf no, detection I'm, no, purposes, if you get yeah. to that range, it's whatever, right? Like yeah, if the system places someone as 9K and they're actually 10 or places someone as 8 and they're actually 9, you have gone 99% of the way already with breaking ruined games right so that's just, already a huge yeah i was just curious if you think you're a god no, no, it's not. you're right it's not fully linear but like basically the mmr curve is like extremely it's it's like a logarithmic curve right toward the top there's extremely few players so the data set isn't as big but in the range of like 2k to 6k there's shit loads of players to get data from and train against as an algorithm so I do think it's possible. I do think I heard at some point that something was being worked on with it. I don't know if it ever uh, really did or got how far they got, but man, wouldn't that be an elegant solution? That would be so Valve-like because it is a system that is doing people's work, so it's super hands-off once it's implemented. That's what right. they like, right? They like automated systems uh, that are smart. So I've talked about it like five times in the podcast by now, I think, but it's really... I'm still hoping that something like that will happen. If it so, won't, then all of the suggestions you wrote, even in connection or in combination, will be good. Yeah, I, I, I so sure. like let's take out the AI learning and then the in-house stuff. Like that takes a lot of work theoretically, right? Mm -hmm. But very simple solutions you can at least start with is be able to report smurfing. I find that absolutely ridiculous that you can't report it. What what should happen? Just I just want to make sure I understand. Like what happens I mean, when someone gets reported? So that that's the question, right? What happens? Who does it get sent to? Should it be the same as the Overwatch system now, where just a bunch of people? Like if somebody from Legend is supposed to oversee like a divine Smurf, like will they even know? I don't know. 
should maybe and, only and be and higher people ranks. have the patience to watch the game long enough to determine right because it's not something you see after like one minute necessarily at least well again i guess some redesigning would have to go into place because like looking at their steam account level looking at their mm-hmm. dota level uh, within yeah. the game itself like that's pretty easy i feel like you could just show it mm-hmm. um but there's definitely a level of subjectiveness to it but then again so is regular overwatch like with uh like what's considered yeah. griefing like i here's mm-hmm. an example i actually posted a video where somebody like fed down mid twice like not on purpose but they were just being really stupid and then their team was like about a minute away from winning and he deleted his items they still won but i considered him guilty because i think there's like literally yeah, ever he no reason nice. so a lot of people disagreed with my assessment that i was too strict and i was like mind boggled by that like well, okay. just because it so didn't it affect the game like they still won is that okay yeah. to break your items i still don't no, think it, so i think the most important thing is intent right you shouldn't be results oriented like that it's not about whether the team wins or loses it's about whether the guy was a dick and you can break your items without getting reported like imagine this imagine you're break you're destroying the throne right Mm-hmm. The game's over. The whole enemy team is dead for a minute. You're at the throne. You drop your items and destroy them to taunt the enemy team or for fun, right? Like that's destroying items isn't binary like that. That destroyed items equals ban. But you look at the context and you look at what it happens in the game. If this guy one minute before the game ends breaks his items and there's still a fight coming up, fuck yeah, ban his ass. But if they're at the throne and the game's over, I don't really care what he does, right? It really concerned me though that so many people were backing this guy. I'm like, wow. That many people think that this is okay. That's not a good sign, actually. Um, but anyway, being able to report smurfing is number one. And number two is taking legal action against the boosters that are advertising, which it could be people sharing accounts. There's two methods to it, that, and then people that just buy accounts uh, right. via these sites. I still, I still want to... I feel like we kind of scooted over this. So when people... Let's say you reported people for smurfing, and it goes into the system, and people... Let's say an overwhelming majority are like, yes, this is a Smurf. What's next? What happens then? <clears throat> That's up to Valve, Cinder, and I'm not doing their job for them here, okay? I just know that it should be reportable and somebody should be reviewing it. Who that should be, I don't know. How the system should be different between that and Overwatch, I don't know. It probably mm-hmm. can't be exactly the same. Uh, it would here- probably have to be higher level players. I just want to say why this is tricky, right? Because let's say it is tricky. Let's say somebody smurfs in a three K game, and it gets sent to Overwatch, and everyone's like, "Holy shit, this is a smurf!" And then let's say the perceived sol- or the suggested solution is, "Okay, increase their MMR." Let's say we increase it by any arbitrary amount. Let's just say we increase it by three K. Maybe this smurf was actually forty five hundred, and now he's ruining high level games because he gets placed too high. Because everybody's like, "Oh yeah, this is a fucking smurf." bump him up, let him play against better players, and then the booster or the smurf or whatever starts losing and making those games worse. Right. So instead of destroying games, he now s- sucks in games. That's also bad. Um, so like, I'm trying to find out how do you have humans look at this on average and then place the player correctly enough and how trustworthy is that? I, I just I don't know, man. I don't know if that's... That's the problem I have with all of this is that, yeah, we can detect it's a Smurf and we can be like, yeah, this is definitely a Smurf. But how do you place that account? Do you just do you just bump it up by like 500 MMR every game that is detected as a Smurf and then hope at some point, OK, now people don't think it's a Smurf anymore or. Yeah, there's an incremental increase. Uh, you could also potentially punish them. But I don't know what that punishment would be exactly. Maybe they play against mm-hmm. like right now they're supposed to like they made a post a while ago saying that Smurfs. 
they're more detectable, and they will be mm-hmm. playing against other Smurfs. Well, I can tell you from my own <laughs> fucking game with other Smurfs. <laughs> that is not fucking true. I mean, yeah, I lost 500 MMR when I started playing rank. So does that make me a Smurf now? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe the, this is all intended. But oh shit, you're Smurfing. God, I have a main. It's my own account, so I, I think that's technically not Smurfing, right? Right. Okay. Well, that does it for Smurfing. Okay. Last topic, Cinderin. Oh God. So this is sad. I will let you read this, and then I will bring up my own personal notes so that I can go in order. For Do you want me to read it out loud, or you mean read the post? The po- like, yeah, read the post itself. I- the- I've read this post out loud because I'm going to be talking okay. a lot, so I okay. want you to get your your time in the sun. You know, this is what I okay. I will I will be Valve here, and you will be you. Okay. Hello, this is Valve. The future of Artifact. Artifact, the Dota 2 card game, shipped in November of 2018. Despite good initial sales, our player count fell off pretty dramatically. This warranted a shift from the service-slash-update development model. We planned to a full reevaluation of the game's mechanics and economy. It's now been about a year and a half since the current Artifact team began work on a reboot in earnest. While we're reasonably satisfied we accomplished most of our game side goals, we haven't managed to get the active player numbers to a level that justifies further development at this time. As such, we've made the tough decision to stop development on the Artifact 2.0 beta. However, we recognize that both versions of Artifact still have players and still have value to the community. For this reason, we're opening both games up to make them freely available for free to everyone. Finally, releases of both Artifact Classic and Artifact 2.0 beta, renamed Artifact Foundry, are now available. Technically, Artifact Foundry remains an unfinished product, but most of what's missing is polish and art. The core gameplay is all there. While both games will remain playable, we don't plan to ship any further gameplay updates. Here's an overview of our final changes to Artifact Classic. The game is free for everyone to play. All players get every card for free. You will no longer be able to buy card packs. Paid players' existing cards have been converted into special collector's edition versions, which will remain marketable. Marketplace integration has been removed from the game. Paid event tickets have been removed. Customers who paid for the game will still earn packs of collector's edition cards for playing. Players who got the game for free will not. The final release of Artifact Foundry looks like this. The game is free for everyone to play. Players gain access to cards by playing the game. All cards are earned this way. No cards or packs will be for sale, and Artifact Foundry cards are not marketable. All final card art that was in the pipeline is now in the game. In short, when we say free, we really mean free. For detailed explanation of how Artifact Foundry differs from the classic Artifact, see this page. That's just a link. We're grateful to all the Artifact players, and particularly to those who were able to help us tune and refine what would become Artifact Foundry. The team feels this is the approach the best, that best serves the community. We're proud of the work we've done on both games and excited about delivering them to a much larger audience of gamers. To install and play now, head over to the store page. Thanks, the Artifact team. And as one final fail on Valve's part, uh, where it says install and play now, head over to the store page, the one for Artifact Foundry, which is 2.0, does, mm-hmm. did not work and probably still does not work. So thank you so much for that. Um, okay. Again, this is going to be a bit of a... Whew. Let me get my notes up here, Cinderin. This is like basically chronological order. I just didn't want to miss anything that has happened. I'm going to go through like from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, so first and foremost, how I feel about this, I am I have never felt this way ever about a video game because I guess this is kind of unprecedented. But when this first happened, which was close to a week ago now, I felt profoundly fucking sad, like legitimately felt depressed uh, for like two three days. Like this feel, uh, I don't know how to explain. It. I just didn't want to do anything. Like, just uh. anyway. So I, I was thinking, why this makes me so sad. I think one reason. Um, uh, one reason is okay. I'll just get through this part. <coughs> one reason is because when my dad died at the PGL major uh, in China, and. <coughs> Artifact was kind of like an escape for me. Uh, and then I wasn't invited to TI, which, um, holy shit, I didn't think I'd be emotional. Um, I was really sad about not going to TI. And then Valve invited me to the PAX for Artifact. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and since I was really, fuck, dude. <clears throat> Since I was really depressed during that time, Artifact was kind of like, holy shit. I actually, one second, let me drink some water, Cinderin. I literally did not I'm think I'm drinking this was water happen. with you, Shannon. Thank you, we'll, thank we'll... you. So, Artifact was kind of an escape, okay? Now I can start talking about the stuff that doesn't make me that sad. <clears throat> Um, so a lot of people kind of criticized the beta experience in 1.0. They were not happy with the closed beta status and the fact that personalities were chosen. And, you know, I, I totally understand that aspect, uh, the outlook or whatever. Like I can't, I can only imagine what it's like being like the outside looking in and can't play the game that people are talking about being so great and all that stuff. So I understand why there was kind of like this negative attitude towards it. Um, but overall, you know, Artifact 1, I loved it a lot. You liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was like a nine-month process that we were in the beta. We gave continual uh, feedback about things that we didn't like, such as a lot of the RNG that was in the game, certain cards that we absolutely hated, <laughs> cheating death, um, arrows people complained about a lot. There were so many, like, the stat discrepancy between heroes, like, there were some heroes that were just fucking garbage, like literal garbage tier, and then some that you had to pick every single game, right? Yeah. And nothing changed. Basically, nothing changed over a nine-month period of constant complaining about these things. Then a week, literally, and again, we've gone over this stuff before, literally a week before the game was released publicly, the monetization was announced. And we basically had a week to run around with it because we'd been playing with all the cards before that. So mm -hmm. at this stage, we, we didn't really know how to process it. Like, I haven't played a lot of card games before. I just know how Hearthstone works, and that's pretty much it. So we didn't really even get to test the monetization at all. And then the game comes out. People blast it. And again, a lot of the stuff is fair criticism. They ended up changing a lot of the cards, even though it was like, okay, why are you changing it now after nine months of complaining? Um, and then the thing that I didn't really recognize at the time is that Dota players, they don't root. For some reason, they will never root for another game based off <laughs> of Dota, which 
I could never have guessed at the time, and I still don't truly understand, because you're expanding the lore, you're expanding this universe into other genres. Like, this is great for Dota. Like, why would you root against something like that? It makes no sense. And again, there's a lot of fair criticism, criticism from the game itself. So, remember, the game was released in November of whatever the hell year that was. 2018. Uh, 2018. And I had a meeting with the head developer of Artifact in December, right before Christmas. And he, apparently he talked to a lot of people, so it wasn't like I was special or anything. And he assured me... He didn't talk to me, Shannon. Well, you barely played the fucking game at that point. Let's be real. I played... Oh, in December. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So he assured me and others that things would be reworked and that they would continue taking feedback and then just continue the update process. So at that time, I was feeling pretty good about it. Like, okay, I could see this turning around. And of course, I'd made this post, which I don't want to get into this too much, but a lot of people... I shouldn't say a lot. There's a few people that consistently bring up the fact that I abandoned Dota and switched to Artifact when it was just something that I needed in my life, essentially, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I never said I was leaving Dota forever. I just needed a break. Like, I don't see that as being a big deal. But anyway, uh, there was... So this is the important thing to take note of. So there was silence after that reassurance in December from, like, what was it, January to March or something like that? And then, at that point, when I... Thought they had truly worked out the kinks. The game, you know, thought it was going to end up progressing into this big esport with a $1 million tournament. They announced this remake of the game, which kind of took everybody, like, a lot of people were dumbfounded. Of course, a lot of people that hated the game weren't surprised or they were rooting it on for whatever reason. Um, But if I look back, I think if they had just continued updating, like, I'm not saying the game is going to be the next Hearthstone. It doesn't need to be the next Hearthstone. But at that time, there were less card games than there are now, and I think it would have mm-hmm. been fine. It would have done well. It would have done okay, which is all you really need. And, But having said that, they remade 2.0, which I'll talk about now, and it's just far better than 1.0. So it's kind of this weird thing where I, if they just got rid of some of the shit in 1.0, it would have been fine, I think. But now that they made 2.0, I can't look at 1.0 the same way anymore. It's just so much better. So... The Artifact 2.0 closed beta begun, began, and again, Valve, not learning from their past mistakes, they're either one end of the spectrum or the other. It's always an extreme. Terrible invite system, again. They, the people that wanted to play had to sign up, like yourself, like Slacks, like everybody else, and they had to own the original Artifact. So if you owned original Artifact and you signed up, you would, be, you would put into a pool of players that they would randomly select every week. And it was true RNG, even though they got rid of that in the normal game. And it pretty much killed the interest from so many people, just based on the invite system alone. So for people that aren't too familiar with 2.0, how it differs from 1.0, the things that were different, uh, 1.0, they they got completely rid of the arrows, which everybody hated. Uh, They got rid of all the feel-bad RNG. So instead of something happening X amount of the time, X percentage of the time, it would be more controlled. So just as a random example, there's a card that used to deal one damage three times to random units. Now it dealt the same amount of damage, but it would be the unit with the lowest amount of HP. So you know what it's going to hit most of the time. So things like that Mm -hmm. just leveled out completely. They made it so there's three lanes at once. So you're playing all three boards at once, which sounds more complicated, but it actually made it so much more enjoyable to play and watch, in my opinion. And the fact that it's shared as mana pool as well. So you're just looking, it's like your overseer of all this stuff. 
And you can only do so many things in a round as opposed to Artifact 1 where you're just doing a million things and it would just hurt your brain. Right. They had lanes alternating direction for combat phase, which made things less OP in certain lanes. Um, like, because Artifact 1, like lane 1 was always the most important. Um, and then everything costed mana, which at first I didn't really like, but I ended up really liking it. So abilities, using and equipping items, everything costed mana. So each action was just that much more uh, important, important, I guess. Yeah. They added, you know, this is maybe not even worth mentioning, but multicolor casting rule changes. So if you end up like stunning a black hero, you can still cast black cards with a red hero in the lane, for example. Um, and they added a lot of cool stuff like factions and multicolor cards. So generally speaking, in my opinion, I know there's a lot of people that disagree. The game was faster. Heroes were much, this was the best part about it. The heroes were much more impactful. They were more interesting. They were more balanced. Like, it still needed a little bit of balancing, but for the most part, it, um, the, the heroes were just, they just felt like Dota. Like, be, I didn't realize how little they felt like Dota before, but they really did after the changes. Mm -hmm. Replay system, which I believe wasn't even an Artifact 1, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, they had a tutorial finally they were finishing. They had hero demos so you can try out little things. Like, that's literally more of a player, new player experience than fucking Dota right now. Uh, and again, after streaming a shit ton of the game, I've, it's so much more friendly to watch. It appealed to a wider audience because of hero draft. Because original Artifact had this thing where you would draft every single card in your deck for draft. Mm -hmm. And like that's kind of complex if you don't know all the cards. As opposed to this, you just pick your heroes and then it constructs a draft for you or your cards for you. Which there's an element of RNG, but... It was just much more enjoyable for like the casual people. And it was right. free to play. That's the biggest thing that everybody was missing. It's free to play. You just unlock cards by playing. That's that's pretty much it. So let me just list out the reasons I think that Valve abandoned this based on what they're saying. So Valve abandons this game uh, despite saying it was about the player numbers. They, they literally said that in the post, which I know Valve, Valve are smart. They're not dumb, but they make it seem like we're dumb because obviously... If you're reading that, you know that's not true. You can't say it's about the player numbers when you hadn't actually opened the game to people. It was still a closed beta. People were waiting to play. Many people, like even when you were invited, a lot of times you didn't get an email. I heard this from so many people. They're waiting for friends, maybe to get access as well, because a lot of people don't want to play without friends. And we talked about this in the past podcast. They're waiting for polish of the game itself because everything is placeholder art. So... They've put all of that in. They've made it free to play. The art is finished. The board is completely finished. And now you abandon it? Question mark? So all in all, and I'm trying to think it from Val's perspective. It's like too many resources maybe put into the game. But I'm looking at it. They only had like three developers. And I know that they still wanted to work on it as well. That's the sad part. And then any art-related stuff is for, for the most part, Valve is outsourcing that shit. So they're mm -hmm. not doing it themselves. And like I said, everything was already polished. All that they really need needed was like a tournament mode and then mobile. And it, the game's just done. So now I want to get into a little gray area. Oh, mm -hmm. I should have mentioned as well. You're doing this just as a Dota anime is about to be released right before. Like, can you make a stupider decision, honestly? Legit. Like, that's brain-dead shit right there. So, this following now is my theory, okay, of what happened. I have zero 
insight into whether this is true or not, but based on past conversations with ex-Valve employees, with people that have worked within, like worked with Valve in the past, and just based on public knowledge of what Valve is like. This is my theory of what happened, okay? Mm -hmm. Number one, 100% the, the devs that were working on it wanted to continue working on it. No question about this. I am certain. Number two, I looked at the time frame. I brought this up earlier. January. They came out with a blog post in December saying that they were going to have a huge update mid to late January. Then they went silent. Does that sound familiar? When was the last time they went silent the same month after saying they were going to do a bunch of shit to improve the game? And now do you remember a story that we told? <coughs> when was this? Like a year ago. I, I don't know if this guy cares if I say his name, but I doubt it. I'm not going to say his name anyway. But he was supposed to be the next, <coughs> excuse me, community manager for Dota, the only community manager. This was like eight years ago. And all it needed to, all they needed to do was vote on it. Valve apparently does votes. It's a company-wide vote on whether they want a community manager for Dota. Most people voted no. Why did they vote no? Even though it's amazing for everybody that follows Dota. Because people were voting on it that have literally never opened the game of Dota. They're looking at their TF2, their CSGOs, and like, we don't need a community manager for this game. Why would they need it for Dota? People that are probably working on the Steam team. I don't know who the hell voted on it, but it didn't happen. So, mm -hmm. again, theory could be completely false that they had a vote on whether Artifact 2.0 should continue. Now, keep in mind that Valve only, like, they're very, <clears throat> they look at stats a lot, right? Analytics mm -hmm. are very important, to a fault, I would say. I think they, they go, to again, to an extreme for that. Now, the people voting on it, obviously the people that have nothing to do with Artifact 2.0 are looking at it like, one failed, two is probably gonna fail because the numbers are bad. They're just looking at the numbers. Again, closed yeah. beta. Closed beta, not polished, can't play with friends, common sense. So the other thing I was thinking of, and again, completely theoretical, why would original Artifact 1.0 developers want 2.0 to succeed? Would you vote yes and the product ends up being better than your original? Would that hurt you within the company? Again. These are just theories. I'm, I have no inside information on this stuff. Like, why else would you make a blog post saying that you're going to do all this stuff and then it gets shut down immediately? It's the only thing I can think of. It's either that or somebody at the top just made a decision, plain and simple. But mm -hmm. knowing how Valve works, that's not really what happens generally. So with that in mind, <laughs> I got an email <laughs> from an anonymous source, and it actually is anonymous because I don't know who the hell it is, could be complete stranger that has nothing to do with the scene at all, has no contact with Valve, has nothing going on. Or it could be somebody important. I have no fucking clue. But he did say a couple things that I found interesting and that kind of align with my line of thinking of things I've heard about from ex-Valve employees in the past. So I'm just going to read off two lines of what he said. Valve's in-house policy, aka the being able to free-to-leave projects, collect your points to not get fired, take the bonus money, worked against Artifact. I've heard a lot about like this bonus structure within Valve. Mm -hmm. I don't know the details, obviously. He also said 90% of the developers left 
the original artifact for Dota Underlords, Auto Chess, a short hype sandcastle that can't stand the test of time and has a half-life, pun intended, I don't know, has a half-life of maximum six months. They all knew it. They're not stupid. But the developer could easy collect their points and grab the bonus money. So it's all about bonus money, essentially, which Mm -hmm. is something I've heard as well. So that's pretty disappointing to hear. And that's pretty much all I got. So going forward, I was thinking, and I know that I am going through stages of whatever the fuck. Like, there's denial. You end up at acceptance. I might be at the bargaining stage, Sindarin. I was thinking, how could you salvage this? Because they said they're not going to work on it. Is there any leeway there? So remaking the entire game entirely is too difficult. Like, making it within a Dota 2 mod is pretty much impossible. Uh, without making it look completely different. So, and Valve releasing their source code, almost certainly not going to happen, although that would be a fucking dream. Uh, but modding, right. is that a possibility? Could we get access to mod it so that we can just update the game as a community? Like, I would head a project like that easily. I'd take up, I'd make that my fucking career. Because, uh, again, for 2.0's perspective, it just needs a tournament mode, <clears throat> and it needs the ability to balance and add cards essentially so i was thinking about emailing after this video i don't know but thinking about emailing valve and about the potential to do like a community project to kind of take over and i'm trying to think of a reason they would do it because i can't think of one considering like their policies generally Mm-hmm. So if people want to tweet at me with ideas, by all means, I'm open ears. Uh, but maybe I just need to accept that it's fucking dead, finally. So I'll just, I'll give my quick perspective on everything, right? So my perspective on this game is really different from yours because you've been playing it pretty consistently throughout the whole duration, I want to say. Like maybe you had like a short period of time when you didn't really play much, but you've been playing it most of the time, right? For the last uh, well, two years. after when 1.0 went silent, I played for a couple of months and I just stopped. Mm-hmm. So that was probably like a full year of not playing. And then 2.0 came out and I started playing that even more than 1.0. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so I played 1.0 a good amount. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was complex. I thought it had a lot of things going for it. And then... Um, the thing it didn't have going for it was the economy, right? And the player base just plummeted because of some really poor economy decisions, primarily. I think even the original game with like talking about the bad balancing of certain cards or whatever, I don't think that's what turned people off to leave the game and do something else. They, from from what I understand, most people either never started playing or quit playing because the economy choices were seemed so ab- extremely basically greedy in their design that people didn't want to support it or they couldn't afford it or they just you know didn't like it for whatever reason but from my perspective from the gameplay was enjoyable it was interesting and it had a lot of depth and then it goes silent like you said i stopped playing and then uh they announced artifact 2.0 and i'm like oh curious that's interesting but i haven't played a single game of artifact 2.0 and the reason was for me i wanted to wait until the relaunch of the game, and then with the official relaunch, I would give it a second chance. And I think there might be a lot of people in my position there that were like, okay, you know what, take your time, finish the game, uh, get it to a state where you're proud of it and happy with it, and then a lot of people are going to play. 
I don't know how many people would want to play it again, but I think a, a decent chunk of people would probably want to play it again when they <clears throat> launch it. So, because like, think of it this way, artifacts like the name kind of had, <laughs> it had kind of been a train wreck, right? So I think a lot of people for Artifact 2.0, a lot of people would just not be interested. They'd be like, no, fuck Artifact, that dead game, whatever. But I also think a lot of a lot of other people would be like, okay, if they've taken so long to redo it, let's let's give it a final try, right? Let, let, let's just see. Let's play a couple of games. Maybe it sucks, then I won't touch it again, whatever. Or maybe some people are like, oh, this is a train wreck. I absolutely have to watch this because it's fucking Artifact, right? It has a reputation now that is very, very bad. Um, but now you don't even give it a chance for that. So basically, when I read this thing that the, the player numbers are bad, I wonder... Like you, you had your perspective on it. That is just a cop out. I wonder if the number of people that have access to the closed beta, myself included, if their activity is too low and therefore they don't think rolling it out on a bigger scale, they think this representation, let's say there's a hundred, a thousand, whatever people in the closed beta, if the average hours played per day for that player base is too low, maybe they're worried that rolling it out to an entire population, it's going to be a massive failure because based on the data they have in their closed beta, Right. The game just isn't interesting enough. See, now, that, that's if another... that's what they think, that is really a shame. Because again, then I'm skewing that statistic in the wrong direction, right? Me not playing the game doesn't mean I don't give a fuck about Artifact and I'm never playing it again. It was a conscious decision I made that I'm waiting for it to be officially out. Um, and the original Artifact 1.0, when I got access to the beta, I played it in the beta because it was new and exciting. My perspective on it now was it was new and exciting, and now I want it to be finished. And then I'll play. So mm. maybe I'm the anomaly here. Like maybe most people that had access to the 2.0 beta were like all over it and like, yeah, let's play. It's fun, blah, blah, blah. But like you said, the player sample will be small and there's less incentive to play because you don't have people to play with very much. Um, so, yeah. That, that's an example of looking at statistics without context. If that were actually the case, which I don't think it is. I don't mm. think that there's no way they're dumb. So <clears throat> there's some something going on that we don't know about. Maybe my theory is spot on. Maybe it's horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, I I guess there's just no way that we're ever going to know. And this the, the biggest shame for ass. me in all of this is they announced Artifact. It was something Valve seemed genuinely excited about and proud of. Then they shot themselves in the foot with the economy. They were supposed to run a million-dollar tournament for this. That would be the big launch of the game that would really get people interested, like Dota 2. And that got postponed because of the econ economy changes turning people off so much and they having to redesign the game because of card designs that they also didn't like and everything and the board structure. And now that you're finally there and you have everything in place to, you know, let all of the work that these people have put into the game, give it, put it to the test and give it this chance. I actually was genuinely hopeful that Artifact 2.0 would get the million dollar tournament. And maybe that's me being naive, but I feel like if you've put in a year and a half of development into this game after you put it on hold, when it was supposed to be something big when you announced it originally, if you choose to put in all of those man hours to it, then at least give it the chance it deserves. And then if it sucks, you know what? You gave it your best shot and then you gave it, gave it the try it deserved. But right now, it's kind of this unknown how if they rolled it out on a large scale and if they advertised it, even just with a tournament and no other advertisement, I think some streamers would be interested in picking it up because it's like financial incentives. They're like, okay, Valve believe in this game. They feel like it's done. Let's give it a chance to see how it goes. I would have streamed and played this game if they announced a million dollar tournament. No fucking way I wouldn't. I would be curious. Like, how good am I? Is this the kind of tournament I could play in? 
uh, how good is the game now, all this stuff. And once you reach the streamers and once you announce something on that scale and it gets news coverage, who knows? Like, yeah, maybe it would have sucked. And maybe Valve are worried that this would be another like stain on their on their resume or whatever of games they've made because Artifact was a failure. But then don't start making Artifact 2.0, right? Like, right. why put in all of the time? I mean, and just it's... call it a failure, be done with it, and be like, okay, you know what? We fucked up. We're doing something else. But don't it's work just... for it for a year and a half and then drop it. Like, what? It's not just that. It's not just the time invested. Again, I don't think there are many developers on it. Uh, it it's the fact that they were done. <laughs> They were done with the time-consuming yeah, I mean, part. Even... Like it, they, as of this update, I opened it. I couldn't believe it. Like the board is done. All the art in the game, minus like a three, four cards, are done. It's unbelievable. It looks so much better now. And I stream it, and people are like, "Oh my god, this looks so much better!" And like, "Oh, sorry, it's dead now. Nobody's going to be updating this." So I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what to say. It's it's mind-boggling to the highest, like. I understand that Valve does things differently. Believe me, I bring this up all the time. I've been following Valve and what they do since 1998 when I first picked up Half-Life. They do things differently. And this is the most mind-boggling I've like mind-boggled I've ever been on a decision. And I cannot fathom like what the reasoning would be other than my potential theories cuz that's all I could come up with. It's got to be extreme <clears throat> when it comes to that stuff, so yeah, that that's all I got. I guess this is the last time we'll talk about artifact. So, uh, and the sad thing is, even if they were like, I can't see a reason that they would open this up to modding to anything like that because, like, let's say the community makes it semi-popular. Doesn't that look bad to Valve? Like, I, I think I'm at the bargaining stage, and I just need to accept that this game's dead, and we can move on. So. It was funny seeing the game right when they made this announcement. Announcement had like 500 people playing, despite the button not working on the, <laughs> the actual post itself. But a lot of people are playing 1.0 as well. So uh, it is what it is, I suppose. Okay, so that brings us to the end. We have a question from Niebling for the mailbag. Pick a Dota hero. You are now that hero and will live the rest of your life as that hero in the Dota universe. What hero do you pick? What hero do you pick, and why? Oh, in the Dota universe, as opposed to, oh, you mean living here, being that hero in real life? All right, let's because that's the classic thing, right? We can shit. I was actually thinking in real life. I have one for in real life, but not for living in the Dota, Dota universe. Your hero in real life is definitely Nature's Prophet. No, everybody says that. No. That's the cop out. Obviously, it's gonna be. You don't have to take plane flights. You just you want Wraith King and TV. live forever. <laughs> God, I don't As long as you don't no. walk in front of a car twice within three minutes, you can live forever. So just be really careful as Wraith King in real life. You, got, you get one out, and then you need to play it safe for three minutes. <laughs> that's that's too uh, difficult, I think. Well, it, it, it's actually not that bad because then if you want to die, you can. Like you see all these shows about people that are immortal; they end up getting sick of being immortal. They want to they they want to die, but they can't. So if you have a window, mm. I guess that's not that bad. But I was gonna say Morphling. Because I can eat whatever the fuck I want and just morph into agility and get rid of that fat. Oh, that is the dream. Not having to be fat and eating whatever the hell you want. And whenever you want to go somewhere, you just morph into a car on the street and then you drive. Yeah. Nice. 
And if I am Furion and you meet me, you can morph into me and then you can also teleport and eat whatever you want. So it's oh my cool. god, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the, of course I'd have an that's Ags. Yeah, that's um, legit. That's good. Okay, so who would you live as in the Dota universe? I'm trying to think of who's badass in the Dota universe and <laughs> what would be good to have there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, we only really know the battlefield, right? Like, what's outside of it? Who's This the... is a Slacks question. Yeah, this is really a Slacks question, isn't it? What What is it the four, like, pillars of the game are? Is it Caudal, Io, Chaos Knight, and... Isn't Arc Warden one of the main ones? Is he one of the four? Is I he don't the know. Is it Enigma? Um, is it know, Elder Titan? I actually watch every Lorgasm, and I think that they're amazing, but I genuinely forget everything the moment it's done. Right, Enigma is the fourth one, and Elder Titan made the universe. So what does Arc Warden do? He tries to destroy everything. I think he just hates everything. He's like he's a hater. Yeah, he's a world hater. Huh. Uh, who would be happy? Like let's like just from the perspective of who would who would be happy in in the Dota world? Brewmaster. He's just drunk all the time. Yeah, maybe being Brew would be cool. Like because. Being being one of the like really powerful or whatever, are they happier? Probably not. I mean, is anybody actually happy in the Dota universe? Snapfire. Ooh, a lot. Snapfire is pretty jolly, right? Yeah. But yeah, that'll be another good two years. <laughs> yeah, not a long life, uh, depending on the buffs, of course. Yeah, ogre would be an interesting have, one. Sniper is laughing all the time. Ogre has somebody Sniper's to talk laughing. to at all times, right? True. His idiot brother. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'm just going to go with the interpretation that I had, which was incorrect, apparently. Uh, Morphling. So that's my answer. Cynthia. Oh, yeah, you could also, I mean, maybe you would also choose to be Morphling in the Dota universe, because then based on your mood on the day, you could just turn into whatever you want it to be. Yeah, it could be a fat mess on the no sideline. Way. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. I pick Morphling, too. Thanks for copping out as usual. This was yes. episode yes. 95 of We Say Things. We'll be back next week. Same place, same time, ladies and gentlemen. Rip Artifact. Okay, until next week, Suns Fan Center and signing out. Goodbye. We say things that don't mean anything But thanks for listening Yeah